0: This is an amazing conversation with Kristen Cousin, corporate trainer for Greenleaf Medical, also known as G-Leaf. We had an amazing time chatting about the journey to developing and training in the cannabis industry, her journey to the industry, and we also bust some myths about working in cannabis. You'll love this one. Thank you, Kristen and G-Leaf. You've got a star on your hands. If you're ready for more, go ahead and tune in right now. I can't believe, I mean, we talked earlier this month, but I cannot believe that it's been a couple of months since uh, we were out and about. And um, I I did a lot of like connecting during December. So between the Maryland Leaf Party, between the pop-ups, and then of course, Spark Maryland has amazing like networking events for folks who are in the professional space to really get into cannabis. I feel like that's just the best way to kind of connect with everyone. But um, that's how we connected through These ecosystem events that happen, COVID kind of put a damper on a lot of that stuff, but things are coming back slowly and safely. So for those who don't know you as well as I do, because I'm super lucky, super lucky, let us know who you are and uh, what you do in the cannabis ecosystem.
1: So my name is Kristen Cousin. I am a corporate trainer for our company here in maryland but we're also in pennsylvania virginia and ohio and hopefully soon to be um elsewhere across the united states and maybe even globally um i work for g leaf and we just got acquired by columbia care which is a giant cannabis company so they're amazing i cannot wait until this is fully complete so we can merge as one um and like i said i'm a corporate trainer so i actually came in very um <laughs> very new, very green—no pun intended. Um, I've worked with patients who've discussed cannabis and uh, cannabis for mental mental health and medical issues, um, and kind of decided to take the growers route and see how that went. And probably only took about three months for me to say, "This is where I want to be." And about two months after that, for them to be like, "Hey, you're pretty good uh, teaching things. Why don't you come be our trainer and teach other people the things that you have learned?" And what, almost four years later, here we are.
0: Wow. Very quickly, in your greenness, you entered into this ecosystem with the skill sets that you already had. Tell us about how important that was to kind of stand outside of what you know maybe some of your colleagues were doing and i mean cannabis isn't the natural trajectory for folks who have a background in you know training and things like that so could you talk a little bit about how you merged that skill set to get to where you are at this point well it was again very very unnatural
1: at first so when i first got very first got in the cannabis industry before I even came in, I was practicing uh, mental health and addictions counseling for 10 years, which, of course, addictions counseling, cannabis use, those don't mesh very well together, especially in our communities. Mm. Um, and I did that for 10 years, went to Frostburg, got my master's in counseling psychology, and really found my niche in addictions. Well, I saw that when Maryland was coming aboard with medical cannabis, I was behind, I was in my office behind closed doors, taking my picture for my own cannabis card and thinking I was doing something so wrong like, that. oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Um, And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, why, I mean, you deal with patients all the time that are talking about cannabis and addiction and how that helps them. You have knowledge about cannabis. Why not see if you can use what you have with counseling in a dispensary? So I did that, left my counseling job, went and worked for a dispensary in Maryland for a short time and ended up getting laid off because, you know, things were kind of weird in the very beginning. So I went back to my old counseling job only under the condition that I was now allowed to run medical cannabis groups for our facility. And our doctor agreed and said he thought that would be a good idea. So I did that for a year, as well as my addictions counseling and mental health counseling prior to entering back into the cannabis world, which is when I came to G-Leaf part-time as a harvest tech. Um, And I think that with me catching on to the protocols and, you know, our standard operating procedures and the things that we had to do are director of operations really saw that, oh my gosh, she has run groups. She knows how to speak to people. I bet that we can use her skills in helping train our other staff. Because one thing about, you know, especially early on in the cannabis industry, I'm not, uh, at least I don't know how it is with other places, not us, but a lot of people had their feet thrown to the fire. It's like, oh, you want to work in the cannabis industry? You're 21 years old, no criminal record, pass a drug screen. No problem. Come on in. So people came in and then they're like, okay, here's some plants. go work with them. And it's just like, oh my God, what do we do? And that's not how any business should operate. You should have training and education behind your staff. And that became my job and has been my job now for probably almost three years since I've been in the industry. And it's insanely needed. It's incredibly important and it's constant. It's always changing you have to stay on top of things. And I've got four states that I'm working with right now. So it's really intense. But the organization that I have, that I had coming in, the ability to stand in front of people, make them laugh and have them remember something you say to be able to use in their daily duties, that's, that's what you need in, in this industry. This is why it's important.
0: And I, I mean, to just kind of you know sum that up, SOPs, training documents, all of those things that makes a business a business are super important. You also need people who are able to really carry out what that culture looks like, what that training looks like, and to still be forward thinking. Um, I run into so many people who are working in the industry, typically frontline workers, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about you know ways to kind of pivot into that next step, that next level. But if you don't understand how important it is to uh, take the product, put it back in the vault at the end of the night, and why that's important organization-wide, right, being able to tailor that message down, get it at the front, and onboarding is super important. And I know that you probably see different – I mean, the standards are probably different from Maryland to Virginia to Pennsylvania and wherever else G-Leaf decides to make a, a mark moving forward. So how do you balance those particular populations? Because from Maryland to Virginia, like Virginia is a very new market. And I'm sure that you're still probably working through and building out a lot of that culture. So, you know, tell me a little bit about how that's looking versus where you've started in Maryland. I really wanna hear about, you know, the impact that you're making on the folks who come into those doors who stand on their feet for eight hours a day, right? Who are answering those calls about terpene profiles. And how do you relay that that customer service, right? I always talk about Chick-fil-A has the best customer service. Their morals and values may be pretty screwed. But you know, every time that you pull up in the driveway and every transaction at the end, there's going to be my pleasure or you're calling somebody and being like, hey, what's up? So tell me how you I know that's a lot. So tell me how you relay that, you know, state to state. And you can even just start in Maryland. Right. Because I think your background as an addiction counselor plays heavily into that. Into that.
1: I mean, it's patients first. Right. And it's actually it's patients first and patients last. And even if you are I mean, if you yourself are a patient, that's even more of a motivator. We operate on the foundation of compliance. So no matter what, whether it's Maryland, Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, California, England, it does not matter. Compliance comes first. So when we talk about our SOPs and and where we want our employees to start with culture, we start with compliance. So everyone's going to have that general foundation that we're not going to do anything that's going to go against the beautiful rules that we already have laid out in front of us. Now, not all of those rules sometimes make sense and not all of them we have to agree with. But if we want the privilege of operating in the state, we have to follow by those rules. And the good news is that it doesn't vary too much state to state. In fact, the only thing that really varies are the little nuances within the regulations. For instance, Maryland, we have the MMCC, and we all know how the MMCC operates. They have their regulations for each individual entity between processors, growers, providers, labs, independent testing facilities, et cetera. And basically, you can build your SOPs off of those regulations. Not very difficult. Now, go to Virginia, and you've got the... um, board of pharmacy who is writing our regulations. And they have had, they've only been open, what, uh, probably a little over a year being able to sell products to flower or sell products to patients. Um, And they've revamped their regulations probably four to five times at this point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then go to Pennsylvania and they're run by the board of health. So they have a whole nother entity that we have to deal with when it comes oh to God. who's overseeing the regulations. And I think they've only um, gone through a revision or even a couple amendments, maybe once or twice. So the amount of staying up to date that you have to do is insane. And as soon as you get that information, you have to put a pretty bow on it, a pretty package, because otherwise your employees are not going to read you know, regulations right out of the book. Nobody understands that legal jargon. So we have to break it down and make it into language that not only will they understand, but they can relate to it, which is what's going to implant it in their brain.
0: Absolutely. How are you staying up to date? I have friends. (laughs) I have friends
1: in places that will shoot me with different like Hey, guess what? Virginia uh, is now allowed to sell flour. Can you make a little thing about that? Hey, Maryland is um, updating their edibles regulations and we're about to do edibles. Hey, we're about to do um, uh, deli style. Can you go ahead and figure that out? Like you have to have help at this point because we're so spread out with so many nuances in different places. There have to be
0: eyes and ears everywhere Mm -hmm. to feed you that information. Oh, the power of community. Right. I talk about community all the time because, like you said, things happen so fast in this industry. You have to be able to digest it and then relay it back to the population who is going to, you know, embrace it and then also explain it to the public. Right. Right. I can imagine and I'm sure you can because we've both been in the game for a bit. When um, the emergency bulletin came out that the MMCC put out because of the patient ID cards. Oh, yes. Not not to bring up the horrors, I remember, but there was so much confusion. There was so much, um, uh, you know, you go to one dispensary, you go to another dispensary, you call the providers, they're like, hey, I just wrote the recommendation, you know. Okay, nothing to do with it. Talk to you late in a year, right? When it's time to renew or six months, even though I've heard some people do that. I just know that you know it's it's super important to be able to dial down that information, and you know it is a community effort. You know, at Explore Maryland Cannabis. We try to produce and put out information to keep the community informed. But I, I will tell you that it is sometimes is is a very large undertaking, especially right now. We're in the middle of legislation legislative session. We've got 14 at last count bills that are cannabis related. I actually
1: counted on Monday I counted 19 oh in the general God. assembly. So <laughs> I my own work
0: assignment that I have to do on it so I'm like stop adding bills. Oh my gosh. And I mean then you have to go and look and see which bills apply to which, you know, for me which pathway of the ecosystem is it a provider, is it a license holder, is it patients and firearms again. Yeah. Again. Again. I get it? I get it. You want it in place. But like, let's wait till feds do something because it's just a waste of a bill drop. But that- well, I'm
1: sure you saw. But now there's a whole bunch of cannabis reform in there. Firearms is still in there. They're looking to increase licenses in each of the different uh, entities that you can have. So between processors, growers and dispensaries, um, there's the one in there about drug driving to see if we're going to be able to allow uh, police to test people who are under the influence somehow. So there's a lot that's going on in Maryland right now when it comes to cannabis that people are trying to push forward, and I think that this is really an in, in, in anticipation
0: of us going federal uh, legal sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, I talk to a lot of people who have friends in high, no pun intended, places, and they are all just, I mean. The biggest thing they're just trying to work out is the revenue, where that goes, taxes and banking. I always say that when banking comes about, all the small businesses that have been shut out of the industry will then be able to be on a little bit of a level playing field. And then also our big MSOs or our big Mm -hmm. uh, license holders who have multiple locations are then probably able to. You know disseminate the resources that they get through their community so i'm looking forward to it i know it's a bit of a pivot from workplace but it truly impacts it i mean even there's still a bill up there around workman's worker workers compensation yep like we are truly becoming a, I mean, we're a baby industry, cannabis is, but we are truly trying to set the, the standards, set the foundation. And I think it's exciting to watch those blocks being built. And I, I'm sure that you think it's pretty cool to be able to impact how those blocks are being implemented in the organization you work for. Absolutely. And it's even, it's,
1: that's where training and education comes in even more, because think about it, we are a medical facility. Tell me what other medical facility that you can go to where somebody doesn't have a certificate, a degree, a master's or a doctorate to be able to give you medicine. That's what we're doing. We're selling medicine. These people need to have training in order to be able to sell this medicine appropriately. And this isn't consistent medicine that you get from the same batch over and over and over again. This is medicine that pops up with different flavors and different sizes, different colors, does different things like we need that education around this. Otherwise people are going to be giving people and selling people medication or, you know, products that are not necessarily needed. And with Maryland still being a medical state, we have to recognize that we're not on the recreational tip yet. We, we can't shoot for the stars when it comes to, you know, that line. It's a very thin line that we have to play, which is why it's even more important for our bud tenders, and even our cultivation and processing folk to be educated and trained in knowing exactly what they're doing. How are you training the cultivation folks? We bring them in in, for for orientation. orientation. We go through their standard operating procedures. We make sure that they're being the safest people in the room at all times because they're working with tons of equipment, making sure that cross-contamination is minimal to absolutely zero. Um, making sure that they know what they're doing with what parts of the plants that they're touching, um, knowing weights, knowing their strains. I mean, you could go over. I, we did a tour today with some of our dispensary folk and you can go over and talk to some of our cultivation uh, leaders and our cultivation uh, employees and they'll be able to tell you. What chemovars um, do well in what machines and which ones don't and which ones may dry out quicker and which ones are going to save you weight. I mean, they get so enmeshed with these plants and they should because this is the tools. These are the tools that you're working with on a daily basis. This is your product that is eventually going to land in our hands so that we can medicate ourselves. And they, they believe that, like they're working with these buds in harvest and veg and garden right in the packaging. And they know that this is going to be medication not only for themselves, but for everyone else that they are serving in the state. And they take such pride in that.
0: And that's what you need. You need people who understand that plants are like children. Sometimes you wake up at 3 a.m. to make sure that they are well fed, well yeah. moisturized and, you know, that they are getting the best positive part of life right especially in the early parts of their life i always think about um cannabis cultivation as just uh children going through school right first you got the babies in elementary you got middle school where things get a little weird then it's time to flip into your personality and you're in high school and it's time to graduate so um, i love using that analogy because it, it makes sense to a lot of people but i always wonder because a lot of um you know, some of the trainings that I've seen, you know, on the other side of the coin, we do a lot of culture and um, company training and development. A lot of the stuff that we see is very dispensary focused. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important, you know, on the cultivation side to the processing side, to even the ancillary side, there is some folks got pharmacies, right? Mm-hmm. There is a, a cohesive conversation from the people who are growing the plant to the people who are dispensing the plant to then when I get home and I look up and say, for instance, I'm looking up, Stardog. Love Stardog, right? Know that it is super effective for me and that this particular batch was grown when, how, and the person who actually dispensed it to me was like, this is the one you should get. Right? Like Because they're excited about it and that excitement flows through the company. You you can't fake that. You can't. Especially in a retail environment essentially how do you keep those people motivated when essentially they're on their feet for eight hours a day and you know they're selling product out the door
1: well funny you asked that the one of the things we keep do we do to keep them motivated is that we give them tours of the grow which is what happened today earlier so we had about four or five people who came over from one of our dispensaries and did a complete grow tour with our uh, cultivation manager And he's amazing. He does a fantastic job. He's been with the company since its inception. Um, And they they walked through exactly what a grow employee would do on a daily basis. They went and got themselves dressed. They walked to veg. They got to see the baby plants. Then they went to propagation. Then they went to veg and saw them in their elementary to teenage years. And we took them in the mom room and they got to see where the plants actually come from when it comes to cloning. Talk to them about pheno hunting and why the, you might see a Sir Lando A, a Sirlando B, a Sirlando C, because that's the one we wanted to choose because that's the one that tasted and looked the best, you know? And then we went to the garden and they got to see the big, beautiful buds and they learned why the ones in veg look different than the ones in the garden. And that whole process of, you know, changing the light cycle to allow the hormone to start uh, flourishing. And then, you you know, we go to harvest and people are trimming up buds that are then going to go to packaging where they're going to see that these are this is the final step before it gets to you in the dispensary. And to put that together in real life and see that process, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's the magical unicorn. This is it. This is what it looks like.
0: Okay. Yes, you that that firsthand experience. I remember the first time I saw a cannabis plant from seed to harvest. I then understood how uh, precious this plant was because there are a lot of things that can go wrong from start (laughs) to finish. Right, you can lose electricity, you can lose temperature, you can just have a bad run. Right, and I think that when Folks see that they're immersed in that. That day in life is super important because they're then able to pass that message along. We all know everybody talks. I don't work in the industry. I'm not badging the industry, but I've got a lot of friends that are right. And I've got a lot of friends who talk about, you know, this batch isn't that great. Right. <laughs> or I love this particular batch or product or edible or topical because I know exactly who touched it from the beginning, right? They can then tell me all the things that they saw during this process, however long it takes, depending on your organization. That I can also enamor folks too, right? Seeing those big mm-hmm. buds, seeing those big bags, that some of our inventory folk take pictures with. And they think that they can just sit and be around cannabis all day and smoke cannabis all day. And Nope. Like, tell me about some of those myths about working in cannabis, because oh. I hear Please, let me dispel the myth. So
1: one, we are not high all day. We're not high at all. In fact, if you come to work under the influence, we're going to have an issue. One, if you come to work under the influence and the cultivation, like you said, there are so many things that can go wrong. And if you come in and you are high under the influence, can't make the correct decisions, make a mistake because you're a little uh, dutted out, that is not okay, totally unacceptable. Like we were in the... um. We were in the vault checking out the product that packaging can work on because it's already been tested. And even our cultivation manager, Thomas, at the time said, you know, we can do everything right. We can do everything right up until this point. And if we don't get our dry cure right, all this product is nothing. Like it has to be trashed. If you don't get this stuff right because you're under the influence, I'm going to come and have a very stern conversation with you. And then same with processing. We can't have you operate the machinery under the influence. With the dispensary, you're handling money and product. If you screw up somebody's product and they walk out the door with something, somebody else's product, well, now you might have given them something that they can't handle. Not to mention, you probably put a wrong patient label on it. So now you violated HIPAA. So these are the things like that is like the biggest myth to dispel. There's nobody sitting around smoking weed all day. That's actually quite the opposite. Do you go to a brewery and drink while you're brewing the beer? Probably not, at least I hope not. I mean, do you go to a pharmacy and take pills all day? Again, I hope not. We are no different. We just, we're we're in agriculture. We work with plants. I'm sure a farmer is not eating the lettuce as he's harvesting
0: it right right I, I i am always and i mean i think a lot of that is stereotypical tv you know people see what happens out in colorado and california but i'll tell y'all folks i got friends that work out in colorado and california too and it's it's just like you said one mistake could ruin a harvest and if you are i mean just imagine not only morally how that affects you but financially how that's going to yeah. affect
1: your employer yeah.
0: You're talking it's millions, a half a million
1: dollars down the drain because you decided to make a decision and coming to work. And then your decision led to another decision that screwed up the room or screwed up the harvest. I mean, there's so many intricacies that go behind this that you have to be on point all the time. And that goes back to training too. If we don't train people in the right dry care process, if we don't train people in the right you know deharvesting and de-fanning and skirting and trellising and all of that fun stuff you guys aren't going to do it right and therefore our plants are going to suffer which that the plants are our medicine and if the medicine suffers the patients suffer the
0: business suffers it's all connected it absolutely is all connected so what are some of those because i know that you work very intimately with kind of developing that community that culture of folks who are representing your brand What are some of those skill sets that you see on some of like the star and I'm saying star with the asterisk because everybody (laughs) is is important. We were raised to believe that what uh, anything is possible. (laughs) We are the future. Reading is fundamental. All that. The more you know. Come on, I'm going to clip that part out and put that there on the episode. What do, like, what, I mean, I know that sometimes folks think I got to go and get a degree or take a few certifications or, you know, go to one of our free trainings that we have once a week. Like, how do people build up that skill set to be amazing and, you know, have a potential to grow with the company?
1: I think, honestly, you can come in with absolutely no cannabis knowledge. In three to six months, you will be a walking encyclopedia. It's amazing how the learning by osmosis happens. So yes, you can, if you want to go watch a couple YouTube videos, go read a couple books, I can totally recommend some good ones. But when it's, especially with cultivation and processing, where you're actually working with your hands and it's more a production type environment. Learning by doing happens to be the best methodology. Now, when it comes to the dispensary, you're going to need a little bit more training because now you're dealing with patients. Now you're having to think a little bit more about, you know, well, what's this patient dealing with? What's working for them? Well, if we don't have what's working for them, we have to find something comparable. So it's almost like playing chess so that you can figure out exactly what that patient needs and how to serve them best. But probably the Biggest piece of advice I could offer someone like the top quality that I would ever want to look for is flexibility. If you are not flexible in this industry, you are not going to make it. If you are rigid and set in your ways, and I'm sorry to be so
0: blunt, no pun intended. Oh, but no, no, no. Keep it. Keep it. It's true, right? Because these you're not going to make it. They come into interviews and I, I hear it all the time or even just questions that we get. You have to be able to, one, have that flexibility and to understand that cannabis is a growing industry. What, yes. may, what may have been true yesterday ain't true today. Right. <laughs> and you have to be able to be flexible to kind of adapt to those changes. You have to. I mean,
1: this, again, this isn't Amazon. This isn't Walmart or Apple. It hasn't been established for multiple years. And I'll get the wood it has in Colorado and in Oregon and California. Yeah, they've had that time. This is Maryland. We've only had this now for what, almost three or four years now. We're still building this. And I love the saying, and it's so many people say it in the cannabis industry but we are building the plane as we're flying it. We are literally, we're putting up the paneling, we're putting on a wing. As soon as something doesn't work, okay, MMCC changes it up. They send out a bulletin. We make our adjustments. We mix, fix our SOPs, train our staff, we're good to go. I mean, that that's how it has to be. So if you're looking for a job where it's the same thing every day, not really going to find it here. Um, even in, even in our cultivation and processing, yeah, you'll do the same routine every day, but until we find a better way to do things, then we're going to switch it up and rewrite our SOPs. You know, like we are always changing and adapting and remaining flexible to better serve our patients and make sure our
0: business comes out on top. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, It is a business. This is a Mm -hmm. growing and moving economy. And especially for folks who are looking to, you know, start their pathway in cannabis workforce or even education. You know, you have to be able to understand that. Yeah. The bulletin they put out last week is completely done now because they realized that something didn't work or they got feedback from license holders that say, this doesn't work well for our business. And granted, A lot of us would love higher milligram apples, high THC products, whatever that may be. But it just doesn't work in the medical market. It doesn't. It also doesn't work for being sustainable. Right. We are still growing. We're still checks and balances. Right. So everything may not necessarily be apparent to folks when it comes to glaringly obvious, this is how it should be done. There are rules and regulations in place for this growing industry. And that's important to know. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And the high THC stuff like that, that, that's like nails on a chalkboard to me personally, because there's so much to this plant aside from THC. Like, there are so many cannabinoids that we're finding that have medical benefits. There are terpenes galore in cannabis, which is why it makes cannabis so unique. It's one of the only plants that has such a vast concentration of terpenes that also have medicinal benefits. Your THC is just a small percentage of what makes this plant so magical.
0: Very, very small. Very, very small. Because I don't know if it's happened to you, but I've consumed something that had minuscule terpene profile, very medium to high THC. And I'm just like 30 minutes later. All right. That was not as effective for me as I wanted it to be. And that happens a lot. So I think, like you said, that in- education is important, that foundation, that onboarding that comes from empowering the employee, empowering the worker to be able to share some of that knowledge of, yeah, I went to the grow and I saw how star dog has grown and I yeah. see why it's fired. I mean, you can see I'm a little biased. It's fire, right? It's fire. And it's grown. It's grown, and you know, it's a couple other people who grow stardog. but I say Leaf grows the best star dog. Just, just point blank, period. It's the most effective for me, and I think that you know, if people when people start to realize that um, there are different ways to approach a plant, there are different ways to uh, provide consumption medicinally for you, right? Trying something different, trying something new, asking the person behind the counter for their recommendation. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, um, you know, same old, same old. It might be time to just switch it up. And Absolutely. That's important. It is. And one of my
1: favorite things, and we talked about it today on that tour. It's like a lot of patients will get stuck on a product like you love Stardog, right? Wonder if we stop growing Stardog. Wonder if Stardog didn't exist anymore. I'm coming up. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? So we train our bud tenders. You know, I know a patient might get stuck on a certain strain because, that's, that's just something that it's easy for them to remember the name. So we try to tell our, our, our tenders to educate the patient, hey, look at this label. Pay attention to the label. In fact, rip that label off once you're done consuming, of course, because you have to keep your label on the medicine. But once you're done consuming, rip that label off, put it in a journal, and jot down how you felt. When you come into the dispensary, bring that journal Because again, we might not have that strain in stock, or maybe that grower stopped growing it. But if you bring me that profile of what cannabinoids and terpenes were in it, I can hook you up with something that's similar because it has the same profile. But if you don't bring that into me, or you don't, we don't see that, we're gonna be taking stabs at the dark. We can give you a general sense of, you know, it might give you, pick you up like a sativa. It might bring you down like an indica. Keep you in the middle like a hybrid. But if you want something that's going to be super comparable, give us that information and we can definitely soar you and steer you in the right way.
0: I love that. And that's one of the like the OG things they taught us when we came into the industry. snatch the label off. Right. Mm -hmm. Take a picture of that product. I remember um, the first, you know, pre-roll that I had was by SunMed. It was um, Green Crack. I love the name, but it, of course it didn't make sense to me as to why it worked the way it worked. And then when I didn't see it on the market anymore, I remember asking someone like, you know, what's, what's next? And they gave me something comparable, um, but that is a really great, you know, pro tip. And we have different resources in our ecosystem. You know, Tetragram is an app where you can mm-hmm. enter into that information um, and then kind of see what the community piece is. But then taking a step further, if you are able to go inside of the dispensary or even at curbside. You pull that phone out. You pull that piece of paper out. You pull that label that you snatched off and put it on a piece of paper and be like, "Hey, pie crust is out. Stardog is out. Gelato cake is out. Those are my favorites. Yep. Where what's what's next? Right? Where do I where do I go from here? And usually, the second option they give me is on point.
1: And you gotta think of it too. And I I kind of relate it to food if you are eating the same food over and over again, your body's going to digest it quicker, right? Because your body gets used to that. It starts expecting it. It knows that it's coming. Whereas if you, it's kind of like working out too. If you run and do the same miles at the same time, your body's going to get used to that and it's not going to be as effective. But if you switch it up, but same comparable medicine, but maybe a different strain, a different grower, your body is going to get a little bit, you know, off kilter because it's like, oh, this isn't the exact same. And it's going to trick it into being more effective again. So it's so good to switch up your strains sometimes or switch up your chemovars because that's going to tell your body, hey, we're not doing the same thing. I'm going to trick you and give you something a little different so you can respond and actually be effective again instead of, you know, just going through your same routine.
0: Right, it's stale You can't do the same thing all the time so yeah. your, your body knows, and you have to trick You have to trick your body, and I think That is important, and that is a really great like Feature of our endocannabinoid system You can consume the same thing over and over again But when you introduce something different That is still very similar Your body's going to go, whoa, what's this? Oh, okay yeah. Alright, I like this So then there's something new that you've opened yourself up to And you probably would have never considered it If you hadn't asked that question
1: Absolutely.
0: So I know that, you know, we are both very busy individuals, so I don't want to take too much more of your time. But one of the things that I love to end off with is, you know, there are six paths in our ecosystem and they all work in harmony together. I know that you work in a leadership role at G-Leaf. But I want to see, how can we support you and your role in this ecosystem? I know that you've done some educational trainings. I know that you've got some work to do with this major expansion that's happening. But uh, I always like to to stop and say, how can we support you?
1: It kind of, honestly, I'm going to turn it back on you. How can we support you? Because in supporting me, it would be getting education out there and getting the right information, not the crap that you're going to google and read a headline about and not even dig into the article which may or may not have resources so that's to support me is to support you in giving you the correct information to support everybody else and that's where that connectedness comes from and i like that you you're very much in community because with community comes communication and that is what i'm all about we have to communicate with one another we have to communicate the right information, the right facts of what we know. Right now, in cannabis, 2017, there was a a study done, a meta-analysis of all the conditions that cannabis may have support to treat. We only have three conditions that are listed where cannabis has actually got outstanding evidence to support its treatment. That's chronic pain, chronic nausea and vomiting when it comes to cancer and HIV patients and reducing muscle spasticity when it comes to multiple sclerosis. If you go further down that list, the evidence gets less and less and less that cannabis supports these things. So in reality, like, no, do not give CBD to a person or a child that might have seizures. There's only two specific seizures that CBD is approved for. We can't just go give people that, otherwise we might have adverse events. So it's really about getting the right information out there and taking the time to look it up. Don't just read the headline. Don't just watch five seconds of that video because
0: it said something that you wanted it to say, which proved your point. It's the real facts. That part, that part. We will Google an answer to make sure that it sounds like what we exactly, listen, I didn't mean to interrupt. Just that part.
1: But it's so true, which is something that really like irks me about research because depending on how deep you go down the rabbit hole, you might find that this study is being sponsored by people who are trying to get that specific medication approved because it's their study. So you, you've really got to dig to make sure, again, this is medicine. This isn't, you know, Tylenol or some herb that you find in Walmart in the supplement aisle. This is real stuff that people are taking in conjunction or in replacement of actual medication. We've got to get the facts right. We've got to give them the right information and help them on this journey. And one again, one of the biggest things I really, really stand by in this industry is informed consent. Not only giving patients the information of how this chemovar or this product will help them, but also giving them the risks behind it as well. If you don't give them both, we're, then you're not doing the patient any justice. You may not may be able to make that choice for them and you shouldn't make that choice for them. Give them all the information so that they can make that informed
0: choice. Mm-hmm. That There you go. That's the word. I know g Leaf does um, community education. Um, I'm sure that you all have some things coming up. So if there's anything you'd like to announce, go ahead. If not, um, I'll be on the lookout for a, uh, some content to be able to share with our audience. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, you have the link to the um, one that we did late in January. So that was a really good one for making of Conscious Decisions in 2022. Um, we do have our big 420 events coming up in both of our dispensaries in Rockville and in Frederick. So look for tons of amazing deals and probably raffles, giveaways, all mm-hmm. kinds of things there. Um, and then... At the end of this month, I believe it's going to be February 26th, which is a Saturday, uh, we will be hosting a cooking show, basically, with cannabis. So I'll be, uh, my partner and I, Matt, who you also met at the Spark event, um, I will be over his house using his kitchen, and we will be discussing how to cook with flour, even though that's not my favorite, and how to cook with RSO, which is the easier and lazy way of doing it, which
0: I think is more consistent anyway. So we'll be Absolutely. talking about that. Yeah, no, no, no. Shout out to Matt. Hey, Matt, when you hear this, see this. Uh, yeah, we got to talk. But um, yeah, I too, flowers too complicated. Give me RSO. I know my dosing. I can figure it out. So February twenty I'll yeah. make sure that that information gets out to the public. Okay. Um, For sure. And, you know, once again, thank you so much. Your story. I'm sure we will have you again in a couple of months to kind of follow up and see how things are going as you are riding this regional expansion and uh, growing in in leadership. I think it's important for us to kind of make sure that we are pouring into the people, our next generation of leaders, because at the end of the day, in every industry, the old farts will go. Okay, and we will rise, so I I am always, uh, you know, keeping my eye out on, you know, who's next, Um, who's doing the work, what's coming out of Maryland Cannabis as it relates to um, organizations who are putting in the work. You know, even our multi-state operators, a lot of folks have comments about them, but the ways in which they can impact the community, especially how they've done through my organization, I think is super important. And they all have a place in making sure that they are providing that impact back to the community. first. Absolutely. And And I mean,
1: even to hop on that train in our Saxon facility, we do so much for the community. We have donated to schools. We have held drives. We have given out hams and turkeys when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, we do what we can to give back because if we don't have a community, we don't have a business. Think about, I mean, even yourself, Where were you four years ago or five years ago when this didn't even exist? Think about how many people have gotten jobs in this industry between labs, processors, cultivations, dispensaries. I mean, this market has opened up so much opportunity for people in Maryland, Pennsylvania, I mean, everywhere in the various states where there was no opportunity like this before. And I don't know about you, but I have been waiting years, years for this to happen. And I feel fortunate enough that I actually got to see it happen. People who have been in my family and have passed on who are definitely pro cannabis, they didn't get to see this happen. Um, So you almost do it a little bit for them, too, to kind of help them live the legacy of something they always believed in.
0: Yes, yes. And On that note, because you can't end it any more smoothly than that, um, I would love to say thank you again for your time. Thank Thank you you for your knowledge and being able to share that with the audience. I think a lot of people are going to get some uh, great you know, ways to stay promoted, stay employable and get employable in this ecosystem. Yes. And, you know, I look forward to supporting G-Leaf in any of their workforce development efforts that they may have, as you all are rapidly expanding. And we want to make sure that we stay connected Absolutely. with folks who are connected in the community. Because at the end of the day, th- those are the people that's going to buy your product. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones. So treat them right, <laughs> serve them right. And uh, yeah, I-, I look forward to see what is uh, to come throughout the rest of the year.
1: Same here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everything that you do because you are the one going out here and doing the footwork. You are the one setting up the interviews and talking to the people who are in it. So we appreciate you as much as you appreciate us. So thank you.
0: Ah, Thank you, thank you.